Hello. I'm the third generation AX400 Android. I can look after your house, do the cooking, mind the kids. I organize your appointments. I speak 300 languages and I am entirely at your disposal as a sexual partner. No need to feed me or recharge me. Welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Neal, and this is your Laps News update for the week commencing the 5th of September. Tonight we'll chatter a little bit about the games that we've been playing recently, and we'll touch on a few news stories of note. Joining me today are Kev and special guest, Connor McCurvey, also known as at VDJOM on Twitter. Hello, Connor. Hello. Hello, Kev. Hello. <laughs> so, Connor, this is your first time guesting on the LGR podcast. It is, yes. Thank you for having me. That's quite all right. We are running a little bit of a skeleton staff at the minute due to um, people being busy and quite a few people being off on leave, which we don't know how they got pa- that past LGR, EHR, um, <laughs> but for whatever reason they were all able to book it off at once. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Connor. Um, right, um, I've been gaming since I was five. I got my first um computer uh, i got a commodore plus four um, and that pretty much hooked me into playing video games so i'm rapidly approaching 40 and um, absolutely adore video games i grew up playing mainly commodore stuff so i had a plus four and then i had um, an amiga i had various sega consoles in between so i had a master system and mega drive and then i became a, a sony pony and jumped on the the playstation train and i've kind of been riding that ever since um <laughs> So yeah, I am one of the writers and podcasters for joypadandme.com I tend to be relatively active on Twitter I'll usually pop in with with mean jibes usually to Stuart Cullen um, because he he quite often deserves them We all sat through the gift war (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's why I've been brought on to apologise formally to everyone who who had to witness manage Stuart's gift war Yeah, just tack us in Just tack us out (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I, th- I just thought it's it's fair enough, and everyone can see what's being being um, thrown at each other. <laughs> yeah, was, like, I think GIF was are just very silly. I think um, GIFs themselves are, can be a bit pointless, but sometimes they can be quite amusing. I was on uh, the Year of Shame Challenge Three mm. podcast with Stuart and with Colm Sheridan, um, Solemn Sixty Seven. So um, I spent a year not oh, playing yeah. video games. And that was interesting and tough and challenging. I'd started a little bit before everyone uh, because I was about to become a dad and I realised I was going to be brassic. So I decided good reason <laughs> to not buy any games and just play the, the pile of shame. Um, and that's what I did. And it actually changed me. It stopped me going out and buying all of the latest new and mm. shiny. Um, and I tend to only buy what I know I'm going to play. Um, and I go through fits and starts of, of playing lots of really like new games and going back and playing a lot of older ones. And the low is be something I quite fancy. And I go, well, prices drop really quickly now. I'm not in any real rush to to be a day one or on on things. Mm-hmm. I think the the last last three games I bought day one were um, Metal Gear Solid Five, which caused me to fail my uh, year of shame. Because it came out nine days before the end, um, 
uh, well, Uncharted 4 and Absy. And they're the, the only games I've bought basically day one. Everything else I'll tend to kind of hold off uh, and see if there's a bit of a price drop or look for deals and things. <laughs> there usually is. Yeah, mm. tends to be. So I'm mainly, mainly a Sony pony at the moment. Uh, I possess a PS1, a PS2, um, a PS3, which I still I've use regularly, uh, a Vita. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two. I've got one. I've got an original launch one, the yellow light oh. death, and I've still got my save for Fallout 3 on it, and I refuse to get rid of that <laughs> machine because one day someone will devise a way for me to get my goddamn save off that drive, and I can finally platinum Fallout 3. Until that point, I'm never touching that game again. <laughs> Don't you just put a towel on it? <laughs> No, uh, the board's bent. I went to try and get oh. it professionally um, fixed and the, the chip crawled and basically the board bent. No. So it's it's knackered, basically. Um, <laughs> and because of the way that they... Yeah, the way that the uh, hard drives are encrypted to the motherboard, you can mm. just take them out and pop them in another device because all it'll do is want to wipe the um, hard drive. Yep. It's uh, frustrating. So, yeah, I... Um, I kind of was was very disappointed at that point. I've I've been through quite a few consoles. I've done PS4 was the first PlayStation console I didn't day one it, uh, but that was because I was still happily playing on PS3 and I wasn't in a rush to to go out and jump straight on it because there was not really anything day one that I thought yeah I must buy this machine for. Mm. So I kind of held off and and waited until after the Christmas. I think Infamous was the Infamous Second Son was the reason I bought my my PS4. It's weird because um, I was always a 360 guy, you know, on that last generation. I still having PS3 in background, but really didn't give it much hammer. Mm. And it seems to have hit a bit of a renaissance now. Whether it's because of PS Plus, you know, and there've been yeah. lots of top quality uh, titles out for it. I don't know, but mm. now I've got two of them and they're both hooked up to a terabyte drive each. Oh, nice. But, yeah, the, the, I think it's really hit a sweet point spot now and I've, I've played in PlayStation 3 probably more than I ever have in this last couple of years. It's had more ammo than it has in the last 10. I think you bang on. I think PlayStation Plus, because I own all three consoles, mm. um, it's really great value for me because it means I get something on all of them. And yes, there's yeah. generally something I've already had, but there'll quite often be new games that that I didn't know about or games that I've I've been waiting for and then suddenly it'll appear. Um, I was I kind of, I don't know whether I cheated or kind of bent the rules a bit, but because I was writing for Joypad and me, um, I was getting a lot of review copies of games, so I maybe didn't buy anything during my year of shame, but I did end up getting quite a few games for review. God bless technicalities. <laughs> yeah. We've had a couple of listener questions in this week. Our first one comes from our very own Mark Hamer, who has cleared off to Tenerife. He says, as I soak in the sun in Tenerife, I'm sorry, not sorry, with a wealth of Vita games to choose from, I'd like to know your favourite summer holiday game or a game that reminds you of a summer holiday. What's yours, Connor? There's one game that reminds me, it wasn't quite summer, uh, but I managed to get Metal Gear Solid 2 a day early because I was going on holiday the day of release and I managed to go and blag my copy a day early from HMV where I pre-ordered it. and I do remember starting it and thinking, actually, do I really need to go on holiday? Yes, it's all been paid for. But that was in the March, so that wasn't really a summer game. Summer holiday game? Mm. I'm not sure. Um, 
I do do remember spending a summer playing SSX Tricky, uh, which again is not very summer holiday, but I do remember opening the door after an all-night session with a few friends, and it being bright sunshine outside and being the equivalent of snow blind <laughs> because of staring at white on the screen, and then stepping out into the sunlight and being like, ah. Now I don't. I think summer I don't tend to play quite as much because usually it's not the most conducive for um, for for video games consoles because it tends to be a bit too hot, especially the more modern ones. I'm a bit concerned that it'll take <laughs> off with how fast the fans spinning some of them now. What about you, Kev? Hmm. See, I'm quite the opposite to Connor. I tend to try and hide away from the summer as much as possible. That holy water and garlic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say uh, the one that seemed to take a lot of time was a game on the Atari ST called Midwinter. Um, that came out in about late 80s, early 90s. I think it were 89-ish. But yeah, and I remember playing that all summer long. It was um, like, <laughs> this was probably the last time I played a first person. It were like a role-playing game, an action role-playing game, where you had to go around this island, this snow-covered island, and um, take over bases. And you were like an agent, and you had to try and trek from one place to the next. It was really good and really involved, but absolutely rock hard. <laughs> I was going to say, what is it with you in slightly obscure games? <laughs> I'm still doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, favourite summer holiday games, I don't specifically have a game on a console or um, computer or anything like that. I always remember going up to the arcades in Portrush in Northern Ireland um, over the summer. So it was playing things like Street Fighter 2 or X-Men Children of the Atom and uh, even having a go on things like Silent Scope or uh, some of the Terminator games or Time Crisis. Um, Ooh, with the, that, the big light guns yes. and everything, oh, yeah, those sort of things, or even oh. getting into the um, proper, you know, race driving seats and everything um, mm. for things like Outrun <laughs> or yeah, yeah. Um, even some of the Ridge Racer games and things like that. Uh, so those would definitely be my uh, the games I would consider summer games, um, just purely because it was completely out of um, the games that I would usually play, mm. and we were playing them in arcades. Back in the days, whenever you could put 10p in an arcade machine, yeah. <laughs> that's a long time ago. <laughs> but I can completely see that being a summer thing, because we'd spend spend summers at the coast, and, and we'd go off and, and find something to play, and quite often just stand watching people that were far too good at like Killer Instinct and uh, Mortal Kombat and going, you know what, I'm not putting any money in, because I'm going to die really quickly, so I'll just watch. It was worse whenever you got a really good run on something like X-Men or Street Fighter 2, and you just get a kid coming up and button mashing and just <laughs> cleans you out, and just thinking, oh, I was doing so well. <laughs> Our next question comes in from our friend of the show, Jack Smith, at Chronogenesis on Twitter. There's a lot of great games coming out over the next few months, and I was already struggling with working out what to buy before the recent Nintendo Direct added a whole load more games to the calendar. With this in mind, how do you decide which games are must-buy and which are destined to sit in the ever-expanding wishlist? Kev. Trust you. Um, (laughs) I would say I would probably wait on everything. There's only a few games that I will actually add to a wish list and go out first day and buy. You know, um, I mean, I've done Grand Theft Auto last three. I've done day ones and always special edition them. Um, Just cause. (laughs) 
Uh, always first aid that one. Um, but other than that, I'll tend to wait until they start turning up at my local CEX and um, see how many copies start turning up as well because yeah. usually that's a good indication of how shit a game is because if you get about three or four weeks and they've already got about 400 copies, you know it's not one to touch. <laughs> yeah, or it's very, very short and very um, very much not worth the, the yeah. full retail price. Yeah, well. exactly. Um, then you get these stuff like Star Wars Battlefronts, you know, where there's shops that have just got shelves chock-a-block of it now. I'm sure of it because the, the, nobody's the playing it. The modern equivalent of FIFA, where you <laughs> yeah. can go into to Game Arcade and pick up like last season's FIFA for for like 50p because you've got thousands of the damn things. You just can't get rid of them. <laughs> Putting them in your bag, whether you want it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Lilla, we, we just don't want them on our shelves. Just take them. <laughs> no, you can have it back. It's honest, I don't want it. Um, for myself, for sort of deciding which games to buy, again, I usually go sort of a um, little bit of reviews, a little bit of word of mouth, and what have you. Um, sort of being following so many people that are into games and what have you on Twitter, you usually get a very good idea about what games that are coming out are going to be your sort of games um, because of the people that you follow and the same or similar tastes and things like that and I always have a wish list on Steam that I every so often um, add to and sort of wait until the sales and things come out at the minute I just don't necessarily have the free time or the disposable income to necessarily buy games brand new uh, whenever they do come out so I do just tend to wait a little bit and uh, for my upcoming birthday I've got Hyrule Warriors um, on the Wii U which has mm. been out for a good while now um, but yeah, has dropped yeah. down to £22 in Argos um, which is sort of the nice price point for me in around £20 especially um, for Wii U stuff yeah exactly and with the new Nintendo Select uh, range on the Wii U as well which now includes Captain Toad and uh, yeah. Mario 3D World um, they're definitely at the right price point to jump in on those um, because they're fairly well regarded mm. and being Nintendo um, first party games they've rarely come down in price before that mm. certainly Mario 3D World seem to be in shorter supply than most games and certainly seem to be sitting um, above £30 and on Amazon and a lot of other sites and things like that so for me it's definitely a wait and see um, but still get slightly excited for people who are going to get the, a lot of the new games on day one and things like that. Certainly um, listening to Mark and Stuart and even Adam mm. um, talking about things like Overwatch and No Man's Sky um, it's really nice to see the enthusiasm for the games um, coming from them and uh, again getting an appreciation of whether or not they are going to be your sort of games um, sometime in the future that's it. I think we've probably learned more about what we want <laughs> just doing this podcast than we've ever had before. <laughs> yeah. What about yourself, Connor? Tomb Raider. And that's because I didn't have an Xbox. I had no intention of buying an Xbox for, for uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I really enjoyed the reboot. Mm. I thought it was fab. Um, I thought they did a really good job with it. And I'm excited to see where they continue with that. I'm curious about the fact that it's got VR with it. I probably won't be getting VR anytime soon, but it's nice to have that option there. But I tend to pick games based on developers I quite like. So if if it's a developer I'm familiar with what they produce, I'll tend to kind of keep a feeler out to see what they're making. And I may not necessarily jump day one, uh, but quite often I'll be like, right, that's that's on my list for 
for a certain point when it comes out. Of the major ones, I think because of doing A Year of Shame, I went through Silly Season and I realised how how bizarre it is during like the period basically from September through till to December where so many games come mm. out for pre-Christmas and the, the speed at which they drop in price Ubisoft are, are ridiculously bad for it they'll be 50 quid on release day and within 3 weeks they'll be down to 25 quid and it's like there's no point in buying anything day one just just hold off a little bit and, and you can pick it up cheaper and I think also with the fact of having Playstation Plus I don't necessarily jump at games as quick because there's a fear oh, it'll end up on close <laughs> yeah. um, mm. and I've already got a collection of games I can be playing and I, yeah. I have to kind of tell myself clear a couple of games off first and then go and pick something up so I tend to kind of be a little bit more reserved than I once was mm. certainly with the day one releases of a lot of recent games um, holding off has definitely been a benefit to a lot of players purely because of those day one patches mm. or the you know yeah, the, yeah. the inevitable patches where they fix the game as such. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're just the regularity that they seem to be coming out now is worrying to an extent. Um, but I think there's an awful lot of the developers themselves either misjudging um, the way the game plays or not necessarily informing the players what features are actually going to be there on day one and just fundamental changes with the games themselves mm. certainly things like Destiny and what have you with the expansions are massively different to what they were um, whenever they were originally released. I think I think for me I've become a bit more sceptical of the, the hype and um, Ubisoft being again a, another good yeah. example with yeah. Watch Dogs, with Assassin's Creed Unity, mm. games that looked fantastic, but the amount of times they've overpromised and underdelivered. And don't get me wrong, Syndicate was fantastic. Absolutely loved Assassin's Creed Syndicate, um, but I, I'll tend to hold off. I really enjoyed Far Cry 3, and uh, when Far Cry 4 came out, I went, "I'm definitely going to get that, but I'm not going to buy it day one." and I think I, I'm just a bit more cautious. Again, it's it's not having the disposable income. Say it'd been, I'd been 10, 15 years younger, I probably would be buying a lot more stuff. Right, I need to get this now. I want to be playing it when everyone else is buying it. And a lot mm. of the single-player games, you don't need to kind of jump in day one because that experience, mm. other than patches, isn't going to change from... from <laughs> from launch day to two mm-hmm. months afterwards yeah. it's not as if you've got to to learn the game mechanics to to play against other people and try and become the best otherwise you'll hit a certain point where you jump in and you are just cannon fodder um i think that that kind of thing's uh, uh definitely something I'm, I'm more aware of hmm. i think i think to a certain extent we're all of a certain age where we literally just don't have yeah. the time to be as good as the people who buy a lot of the uh, multiplayer online games and what have you, and spend yeah. as much time as they do. So it's it's holding off and you know playing the game at yeah, your own yeah. speed and uh, in, in, enjoying it like that, as opposed to always being bottom of the leaderboards and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, it actually pays to be a lapsed gamer. <laughs> to an extent, always. <laughs> That's yes. definitely a, a point. <laughs> We have had two other questions um, from friend of the show, Colm Sheridan, at Psalm1687. His two questions are, do you play video games or go out when the sun is splitting the trees? God, ah, you know what my answer is. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep upside down hanging from a pole, give me half a chance. 
And his other question is, what was your longest gaming marathon? Oh. Um, yeah. For me, um, if the sun's splitting the trees, I'm going out. I will sit in the shade, but I'm not going to be playing games. I'll be, I'll be particularly at the moment with the young children, I'm going to be out playing with them. And uh, those sort of times are too good an opportunity to miss. Yeah. As for my longest gaming marathon, I honestly have no idea. Um... Certainly there's been times when I've played games for long periods, but not necessarily all in the same day, so it would really not be all that long, maybe four or five hours, maybe, but that's really pushing it, and I couldn't even tell you what that game was. It might have been sitting playing something like FIFA 97, um, (laughs) just because there was quite a lot of the family over, and we were just playing multiplayer and pass the pad on the Mega Drive. (laughs) That would probably be about it. Football manager? No, not for me. Um, (laughs) As I said in the previous one, possibly Extreme Warfare Revenge, the wrestling simulator. Uh, Uh, Ah, yes. But again, that's yeah. Again, that's a game a game that you can just sort of leave on and dip into and out of while you're doing other bits and pieces. Not necessarily one that you need to be keeping an eye on all the time. What about you, Connor? I've got nearly, well, it's nearly two now, so we've been tending to get out and enjoy the sun, but it's, we live in Britain, so the the sun appears very rarely, <laughs> and you have to rush out and get the most of it whilst you can. I spend eight hours a day sat in an office, staring out the window, looking at the sun, thinking I should be out there, not in here. Uh, so when it is out, and I've got a chance, I do tend to go out and play. Mm. Um, with regards to longest game in marathon, I did Extra Life for Joe Panami a couple of years ago. So we did the 24-hour um, playing and we did it at a, a video games cafe in Liverpool that sadly isn't there anymore. Uh, but they had loads of retro consoles and stuff and there's quite a few of us there. Uh, but I would had to set off quite early uh, to get there in order to, to help set up. So I think I'd set off at about seven and I'd played on the, the journey to Liverpool and I finished playing uh, about 26 hours after I'd started. So I'd done like an extra two hours for a 24-hour gaming marathon. So yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that's my longest one. And uh, yeah. I, I'm not in any rush to do it again because it's knackering. <laughs> <laughs> well, that extra two hours, you were just looking for a save point, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, that, that extra two hours, I was just like, I'm not going to sit on this train and be bored. I've got my Vita with me. I'm just going to play something. What about your gaming marathon, Kev? I think every game seems to be a marathon with me. <laughs> just a ridiculous insomniac. So when I do lock onto something, it's just a case of, oh, I can play this for the next three or four days straight. Um, I think the last time, well, the one that I remember the most was probably Grand Theft Auto 4. I took a fortnight off so that I could actually be there for the launch. Got there, midnight launch, played, 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 played. Um, by the time I'd gone back to work, I'd finished it and um, I'd started again doing it all through again. <laughs> um, I think it was the first four days I didn't sleep at all. And just uh, by, the, by the end, when I did finally sleep, I was just going around Liberty City. I know every nook and cranny. I could tell you straight off the bat where all the pigeons are, for instance. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I know that place better than my own neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably Grand Theft Auto 4 for me there's been other mammoth ones but that's the one that really kicks in because 
that was when I was starting to see shapes around me and I'm thinking, wow, this is getting a bit wild now. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the best time to stop playing. (laughs) This week we'll cover some of the games that we've been recently playing and enjoying. Kev, do you want to start us off? Yeah, because this won't take you long at all. I've picked up the pad for me, we, you, this week, and had a go at Citizens of Earth, Earth where, I've, where I've just had it sat on there, waiting to be played. Um, was that one of the ones you picked up in the Nintendo Humble Bundle? It, it was, yeah, yeah. It was one of the charity ones. And um, mm-hmm. it's not a bad game. It's just an RPG. And it's mm-hmm. got a, quite a wacky sense of humour. You know, you're basically this... Um, senator that's got to go out and try and save the earth but still manage to make sure that his mum's okay and stuff like that but (laughs) (laughs) it's it's, um, it's got a nice art style to it you know it's pretty cartoony um, but it's just got to the point where I'm grinding already and I'm thinking good god I've only been playing it about two or three hours and um, suddenly I've hit a bit on the sugar flats level uh, which is, eh, I don't know, about two or three um, sort of sections in, if you like, and already it's come to a grinding halt, and I'm having to go and grind and grind, and I don't know, I might end up binning this one off because uh, there's so many better RPGs out there that you you know will mm-hmm. let you go through the game. Yeah, it's always nice to get an RPG that actually feels as if it's deserving of your time, and you're actually feeling as if you're getting somewhere while playing it, um, whereas, yeah, that one does sound a little bit grindy, especially if you're only a couple of hours in and you're having to get to that stage. Yeah, it's fallen into that trap very quickly, you know, you, you're only on, like, your second or third dungeon, if you like, but, I don't know, I'll stick with it for another hour or so and see how it goes, but, mm, it's not looking good. So, Connor, tell us about some of the games that you've been playing recently. I've, I've played quite a few over the, the last month or so, Um I'm well and truly obsessed with Uncharted 4's multiplayer. Uh, I played Uncharted 2 beta when that came out and I played a lot of it online. Um, I did the beta for 3 and then played a lot of that but not quite as much Um, and when 4 came out I jumped into the beta and thought oh yes it's very much um, what Uncharted multiplayer is but with a few more tweaks and things more jumping into it to kind of see how the mechanics of the the final game would look for the story rather than necessarily for for the multiplayer Uh, and I jumped into the multiplayer to to get the trophies to get them ticked off and it got its claws into me and I've basically played maybe two hours a night (laughs) since the game released I've seen the videos and and yeah I'm, I'm posting regular little clips upon YouTube and on um, Twitter and I love it I absolutely love it they've just released or they're just in the process of releasing the second DLC patch but unlike a a lot of older games I know a lot more more recent ones are now giving DLC away for free and you buy it with in-game currency so there's not so it doesn't fracture the the user base and they've done the same with the the first batch you had to earn relics to open up the extra packs um, and the extra costumes Um, and they've modified that system Mm. in the the latest patch pre um, the second DLC batch to come and basically you now earn relics for just competing in a match because originally you only got 10 relics for 
for winning a match and nothing for losing. So to open up the DLC items with 3,000 relics a pop, so it took a fair whack of playing to kind of open up all these relics and you get daily challenges. It's usually like a weapon that you've got to get a number of downs with that weapon or you've got to use your sidekick a certain number of times. Mm. And they're relatively easy. Uh, the, you, you can stack a maximum of three at a time. So I've now moved more to kind of playing it every other day or every couple of days so that I've got like three challenges to kind of hit and try and maximise those relics. But to go along with the, the release of the, the next DLC, which looks like it ties in and they're adding a map from Uncharted 2, which was the village, which was the um, the one in the, the old like Tibetan kind of mountain village that all had like the coloured flags. Um, and that was a great map on Uncharted 2, so I'm glad they're bringing that back. But they've added a new one, which, if you haven't played Uncharted 4, I don't really want to describe it because it's quite spoilerific. <laughs> uh, but it, it's really in keeping with the, the game. Um, and the the costumes that they'd added previously were, were all piratey themed, which was, was quite good. But I've tended to avoid those. Um, but they've, they've done a discount on the the cost so it's um i think it's two thousand now to open the dlc items rather than three thousand relics uh they've also changed the ranking system as well so instead of it being uh because you can have ranked death matches and as you progress through you score like xp and then you end up with a qualifier match to go into the next sub tier of that rank so you start off with bronze and then you go through silver gold um diamond and then i think it's masters which is the final one which i've never got close to um and i just keep playing and keep playing and keep experimenting with the different weapons and i'm not amazing but i can definitely hold my own and i really really do like it and i, I it's a long time. I think the last time I I had a multiplayer game that hooked me this much was probably the Assassin's Creed multiplayer. And I played hours and hours of that. And I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Loved it on Brotherhood. Enjoyed it on um, Revelations. Um, I think I played a bit of it on 3. And Black Flag, I just rinsed it. Absolutely rinsed it. Oh, um, good job so Mark's not here. He could talk Black Flag all night. Yeah, oh. he's a big fan of Black Flag. <laughs> Love that Doesn't game. necessarily like any of the rest of them, but Black Flag he very, very much loves. <laughs> I I like it, but it's not an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> mm. That's possibly I, I, why Mark does like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I think I think a lot of people I've talked to have said it's it's an absolutely amazing game. It, it's the best Assassin's Creed game. It's like, yeah, it actually probably is, but I really <laughs> don't feel it's an Assassin's Creed game. But that's maybe for another podcast. Um, other than that, I've uh, finally got my well, finally, I've started to introduce my son into video games and there's no chance I'm sitting there playing Uncharted 4 with him because <laughs> he's not even two yet and I don't think it's age appropriate. So um, I'd picked up Abzu. It's the first game I've ever pre-ordered um, on PSN because Flower is one of my all-time favourite games mm. and you can say, no, it's not a game, it's an experience. Well, that's fine. It is, and it's a wonderful experience. I love it. I think it's it's such a relaxing, different game in comparison to to Call of Duty or Uncharted. Um, and Abzu's by Giant Squid, who I think is one of the art directors from uh, that game company that left to, to create Giant Squid. And you play a diver exploring um, under the waves. 
and you intermingle with fish and there's little like coral reefs that you stimulate to produce more fish and fill the the oceans with different animals uh, again i don't really want to kind of spoil anything with it because it was a, such a lovely experience it's mm-hmm. only two hours long um but my son's obsessed with fish we've got an aquarium um in our city that we'll we'll go to every couple of months and he's just absolutely obsessed with fish and every time the ps4's on he's like (laughs) making fish noises um so it's like okay i'll put it on and he's he's watching he's been trying to grab the controller to steer the diver under the water I've got a two year, <laughs> two year old and nine month, and she's an absolute nightmare. I've had to buy her a DS just so they can get my controller back. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he he kind of only thought the PS4 was for playing Peppa Pig. So, uh, he's impressed that it now produces fish, and he can swim around with the fishes. So yeah, he, he he's been like really really impressed with that, and it, it is beautiful. It's such a again another different paced game it is really relaxing it is going to be one of those games that i just keep going back to 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 use as a form of relaxation as a kind of almost like a meditation Mm. to kind of just get into this world and and swim around and it's fairly linear there's a little bit of exploration but very much like flower there's a path that you are going down and it hits a lot of the beats that flower did uh but it is beautiful and the music's fantastic it's really really nice Mm. Uh, something different Um, I am a big David Cage fan Um, even after Beyond Two Souls which I thought was (laughs) awful Um, I thought it was a nice idea with a dreadfully written Mm. story Um, I missed out on the the first Playstation game which was Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy if you're an American I never played it. It came out just, I think, as my PS2 died, so I missed out. And they've just released it as like a PS2 classic on the PS4, so it runs under emulation, and it's got trophies. And I like trophies. (laughs) um, It has a platinum trophy as well. So I was like, yeah, excellent. I think I'll have to pick this up. So I basically streamed my first play over, I think, five nights um, and uploaded it to YouTube. And it's really good. It, It... I, I think if I'd have played it on the PS2, I'd have been blown away. Uh, because the certain aspects to it are really, really clever. You've got like a fear meter um, or like a, a tension meter. So as you do certain things, your character's stamina or fear kind of drops and they become more and more stressed to the point where they just break down. Um, you can see where a lot of Heavy Rain came from, where a lot of Beyond Two Souls came from. Uh, if you don't know, the game starts off with you in a public toilet in a diner and you are possessed and you kill someone and you have to decide what you're going to do. <laughs> so you can hide Typical the Typical game the t- opening. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So you can hide the body, you can just try and disappear out of the the diner, you can try and um, wash your hands and kind of clean the area up and and it it becomes an exploration of why has this person done this? And it it was really good. It does kind of go a little bit crazy. And there's a few flashback really? bits. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it goes very, very crazy. It's it's certainly channeling the Wachowskis at one point. Oh, um, nice. It, it feels very, very heavily Matrix uh, influenced. Mm. Um, there's a lot of Simon Says style bits, which 
if you if you like a game that is basically 90% QTEs, this game is for you. Uh, <laughs> but it, oh, you've got to push the sticks to match the the corresponding like Simon says patterns uh, mm-hmm. to to kind of do certain things. And at one point, you end up playing basketball against uh, uh, one of your colleagues. You end up at trying to avoid big giant um, digital bugs that you're kind of hallucinating. <laughs> uh, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful bits in it, and it's actually quite long. And it was it was good. It was a, an interesting experience. Um, I'm definitely excited for for where um, Detroit Become Human goes. Um, mainly because I share a name with the lead character in that, so that's it's <laughs> always good when you get to play a game with with your name. Um, so yeah, I'd, I liked it. I I'd, I'd, I'd definitely put it above uh, Beyond Two Souls for for an experience. Um, story is bonkers, but it's it's quite well done, and I I could definitely see myself going back and making different choices and seeing kind of how the story unfolds if I play it differently. I think David Cage games in general do come in for an awful lot of criticism but to a certain extent at least him and his uh, development team and what have you are actually trying new and slightly different yeah. things outside of the mainstream i think they've influenced a fair bit though i think if you look at the telltale games i think they've come from that place as much as i think the telltale games are a lot of them are influenced by the old pick your own adventure novels um they, yeah. they definitely seem to be influenced on that idea of it being an interactive movie an interactive story and they it's it's squarely placed on the narrative david cage does do um oh what's the word uh, mundane very very well mm. <laughs> that adds into the reality of the world because life isn't running around jumping over uh chest eye walls shooting people in the face quite often it is going to your fridge and pouring yourself a glass of milk um, and it does does do that very very well i think sometimes his storytelling's absolute bobbins um but <laughs> i do i do think he he's got something right i just wish he'd get someone else to write his stories and <laughs> concentrate on making the because the the one thing I've, I've complained about a lot of games and my biggest criticism of of the first walking dead was yes it felt like my experience but i think the end result was the same for everyone pretty much all these little paths all led to the same point whereas i think the mm. david cage games feel like all those little paths do have an influence and they do start to compound to a point where you end up with a very very different conclusion and i love that about games i look i i like being able to talk to someone who's played the same game. I know when I first played Every Rain, one of my, my best friends at work had been playing it and he had a very, very different outcome and we kind of talked about what choices we made and and how we got on. Um, until Dawn, I played just after Christmas and that is the best David Cage game never made by David Cage. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I hi, highly recommend that game. It's it's fabulous. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. I don't get time to sit and watch movies in the same way I used to. So, so playing something that's kind of an interactive movie that that doesn't necessarily require me to have the fastest trigger fingers is is quite a good thing to do. Mm. I I've only played um, Omicron, uh, The Nomad Soul, and Heavy Rain, and certainly I never got around to finishing Heavy Rain, but I will at some stage. And yeah, it's 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 
again it comes down to the experience of playing it not necessarily the gameplay and as you say there is something about each of the sort of set pieces and things within those games that definitely makes them stand out you know certainly people will always be talking about david cage games or at least have an opinion on them whenever you bring them up um which is probably an awful lot better than not having an opinion at all on a game uh, whenever it gets mentioned or even remembered um, to an extent and yeah. uh, he put David Bowie into the Nomad Soul so I can't complain <laughs> uh, indeed. the only other game and I've only recently started it is The Unfinished Swan oh. which um, is very very odd <laughs> I played a little bit of the demo on PS3 and I think I played it with the move controllers on PS3 you're a little boy who's from what I understand whose mother has died and you're kind of in an orphanage and your mother used to paint pictures and after she died they got rid of all the pictures but you could choose to keep one and the one you picked was this drawing of a swan that was unfinished because all of her pictures were never quite finished and you wick up and escape into this painting basically following this unfinished swan and it starts off with you're in nothing but a white area and the only way you can navigate this white area is by throwing black paint at things and it's really quite quite startling how just a simple idea of you've got an invisible 3d world that you make appear um it's quite clever and it's quite confusing in parts (laughs) uh, where you're throwing stuff and you go actually i I now don't know where i'm going (laughs) because you then start to realize actually i'm better using these as breadcrumbs rather than as uh just cover everything black because i'm better off if everything is black i've fallen into (laughs) yeah in a maze i've painted everything black and now i've just got a black screen i don't go a bleeding clue where i'm going (laughs) (laughs) but that that's got quite a nice progression through it and it again it's it's an experience rather than necessarily there's no real Score. There's more of it's a sound uh, score as in a metallic yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, it's more atmospherics, yeah. isn't it? It's it's uh, strange. It's a it's, uh, it's a it's a beautiful and um, relaxing game to play as well. Definitely. Yeah, you, you never feel rushed um, to make yeah. your way through it, and you can spend as much time sort of looking round. Um, as you like so even sort of finding little bits and pieces and then throwing the paintballs on it to actually see what is there um, is just lovely yeah yeah and uh, you know it's it's the things that surprise you um, whenever you actually hit them with the paintballs and you go oh yeah. you know, mm. that's quite good you know it yeah. might be a statue or um, you know a little bit of a painting or you know suddenly you get, hit a frog you get that sort of labyrinth <laughs> yeah. effect thinking right that's a completely blank wall in front of me I can't go anywhere and yet you throw the paintball yeah. at it and you suddenly realise oh right okay so that's an actual door and I can get through there sort of thing yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a fantastic little game the 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 where the the because the mechanic could get very old very quickly and they do start to kind of amend it as you go along and and it explains that you're in this kingdom with this ki- hmm. king that basically decided to to make everything white and then realized actually maybe we should put some shadows because people keep tripping over stuff <laughs> and it it's really clever I really like the way that it's telling the story and that you the way it's pushing you forward is you are trying to chase that catch this unfinished swan and there's his little gold footprints that are, are laid about that you kind of use as a way to kind of work out where you need to go and where to navigate um but yeah i'm enjoying it i, I don't know how long it is I, I think i'm coming up to the end of chapter two um but it's it's nice I, I think it's something a bit different it's it's another one of those ones that i can just sit and not be stressed and just kind of dip in and play through and and get to the end of
This week I've been reasonably busy, um, so I've mostly been gaming just on mobile. Um, one of the games I've been playing is Reigns, um, which is the newest game from uh, Devolver Digital. Um, it is available on mobile devices and is available on PC as well. To an extent, it is a... Hmm, <laughs> it's an RPG with elements of Tinder. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my. This is wow. dark roots. That's, that's new. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> There's been other darker games I've talked about. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Reigns is you play the role of a king and... Um, what you're presented with is your subjects and your sort of um, court staff as such um, come up to you and give you information and basically ask you to make a decision on it. Um, So to make that decision, you either swipe left or swipe right, and it'll give you the actual choices of what your decision is going to be um, if you just sort of gently hold your thumb um, either left or right uh, to give you an idea. Um, Up at the top of the screen is also four little symbols. There's one for the church, there's one for the people, there's one for your army, and there's one for money. Um, So you'll have little dots um, for each decision that will sort of hover over those and those dots mean there will be an influence on one of those. The main goal of the game is to try and keep your reign going for as long as possible and to do that you have to make sure that those that you're keeping the church, people, army and your financials happy and making sure that none of them reach their maximum and that none of them reach their minimum otherwise that will be your reign over. <laughs> That's really clever. <laughs> so it's a balancing game you've got to kind of balance Yeah, it's a, it's a, the, it's a the very very clever game and you the dots you'll either get a small dot which will mean it'll be a small change or you'll get a big dot which will mean it'll be a big change but you don't know which way that change is going to go. Um, So Ah. you have to guess, you know, you have to look at um, what the levels are currently and go, well, will a big change sort of, you know, put me in the danger area? Um, Or, you know, will a big change boost me up and keep me a wee bit safe? Um, Depending on what the decision is. Uh, There's different little stories within that, um, within each reign and depending on the different people that are added to your um, court as such uh, you get a white witch there's a doctor who wants to perform different um, experiments on people to develop medicines and things (laughs) Um, he also wants to try and uh, make gold as well Uh, they're trying to keep the church happy so they're wanting um, to possibly give money to the pope or to um, you know keep the people um, in check uh, there's your executioner, who <laughs> seems to get very annoyed <laughs> very quickly, particularly with the court jester. Um, oh, well, who wouldn't? <laughs> I know, who keeps popping up every so often and providing just random stories about how he accidentally broke the catapult while playing tennis with the uh, g- local giant. And you sort of go, you what? Or go away, or <laughs> you know. Um, so you have to try and make a decision based on what they're telling you. Um, there occasionally there'll be a fortune teller that'll pop up you get to talk to your dog um, so you can either just tell him to sit or you can sit and play with him if um, I occasionally I sat and played with him and he eventually um, led me into your wood and showed me some mushrooms and I then decided to eat the mushrooms oh, which here we go <laughs> <laughs> I bet that made your decision that did yes well that's the thing um, you know eating the mushrooms couldn't 
possibly you know give you clarity um, on what people are actually telling you, which um, you'll actually see uh, the numbers um, on how things are going to be influenced um, with clarity, or they can completely <laughs> fog your decisions and things. Um, so sometimes you know um, the characters themselves are sort of very stylistic and simple. But on the mushrooms and what have you, you'll get sort of little elements of rabbits appearing in their features and things like that, or you know other other animals <laughs> and things. It's just so well put together. Um, I think my longest reign so far has been about forty odd years, which was quite good going, um, considering some of the other ones I've um, come done maybe five years and died just because of really bad decisions and things. Um, <laughs> So what kind of time frame does that like click over for 40 years? How long are you playing? Um, that would be no more than about five minutes. Um, really? In, in reality, yeah. Ed, playing the game is very, very quick. Um, so is it lots of very fast It is, yeah. It'll, it'll like literally a, be about maybe three, three lines of text. And, you know, do you want to um, sort of marry the princess of a neighbouring kingdom? Yes or no? You swipe yes, then, you know, you're... Um, the little markers and what have you on your influences will go up. If you decide no, then they'll maybe go down, and then you'll be on to the next um, little bit of a story. Some of them will maybe be a little bit longer, and they're sort of spinning a story for you and asking you to make maybe a couple of decisions or trying to keep your attention for whatever reason. You occasionally run into a fortune teller, and so you can just... You know, on the first one, you can just tell him to clear off and he'll go. Or you can keep sort of following on and you'll maybe get a little bit of information that might help um, further on down. But then the further on down that you go listening to a story, the more it will cost you uh, whenever you actually get an answer as such. <laughs> um, so so is it a different experience each time there, then, you, the, the quest lines kind of change? Or, or is it very much a, this is how it starts, this is the, and you can kind of, there's a way to win it? in the end or or is it more random than to that? an extent it's a little bit random although you will get the sort of same sayings and what have you coming up time again um through the quests you know for example a neighboring kingdom or whatever has developed an awful lot more wealth and what have you so you know do you want to make a peace treaty with them or do you want to go to war um so that one will um sort of come up every so often um but there are little quests or little storyline arcs um, for you to complete within that. And then they seem to add more cards or storylines um, into your actual deck of cards. So as you progress and complete those little quests, you will get sort of more and differing stories um, for your next reign or the one after that. And so every story that you have um, developed will then carry over into the next reign and may randomly be picked. So by the time you've completed, I would say, quite a lot of the quests and quite a lot of reigns, you would actually probably be getting an awful lot more stories and it would be a lot more interesting. Um, but certainly, getting the same stories is actually an interesting way of breaking you into the game itself and getting to sort of know or have an idea of how the storylines are maybe going to go. So yeah, I think eventually you might be able to um, sort of know how each storyline goes and therefore maybe complete the game if there is a way to complete it. Mm. There's got to be a um, finite pack because you can't obviously live forever so you, maybe well, the end game is to die in power. Well not <laughs> That's what Queen Elizabeth's going for. Yeah. Ah, well you see it's um, it's actually a continuous um, timeline so technically once you die in one then you carry on as your heir or the oh, next, right, the, the next, wow, the next okay. in line, 
um, pseudo. Um, so the court staff all seem to be um, the same and what have you. But no, you do carry on each of the quests, carry on each of the storylines um, that are in your card deck as such, and will then be there for the next in line to the throne. And so you keep going that way. So I think you start off um, somewhere in around maybe a thousand BC or whatever, or a thousand AD. Um, so I think I'm now up to maybe the 1400s or 1500s. Um, so it keeps on going. So it'll be interesting to see how far it goes and what happens then whenever you get into um, sort of the 2000s or whatever. So certainly the way it feels is I'm maybe at the tail end of sort of the Middle Ages as such. And it's maybe coming out of that, so I don't know how it progresses after that. Um, but certainly, it's a wonderful little game. Um, it's about maybe uh, £2.50 or something, I think, on Android and iOS. And it's about maybe £3 on PC. Um, so yeah, a very, very good little game. And certainly, Devolver Digital are a fantastic um, little developer group. I really like Devolver's stuff. I'm looking forward to Mother Russia Bleeds. Um, I really liked the look of that. Reminds me a bit of Splatterhouse and um, Streets of Rage. So I'm, I'm certainly curious as to that as a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up. They do tend to make very good games, and they do tend to be a little bit different to the, mm. the mainstream. So, yeah, I think I'll be, be Yeah, no, definitely that. have a look at Reigns. It's a, it's a very good little game, and uh, a, uh, a wonderful toilet distraction, I would say. <laughs> Just, you know, the fact that you can play maybe a, a five-minute um, game or what have you, and as soon as you close the app, it saves it anyway. So the next time you go in, um, you're back where you started. So it's absolutely brilliant that way. Nice. The other game I'm going to talk about is Abyssrium. Um, this is a mobile game um, that's currently available on Android and I think iOS as well. It is a free-to-play game. And I'm going to say honestly now, I hate it. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> it is the worst example of free-to-play games that I have ever come across. Um, the... It is in the style of a game called Cookie Clicker, which I have never played, and I have never played any other games in this style. But basically, the premise of Abyssrium is that you are a little um, sort of hot water um, volcano at the bottom of the ocean, and you spew vitality, um, which therefore allows the um, animals and things to develop around you. But to get the vitality, you can either wait a certain period of time or you can sit and tap on the screen of the phone. Uh, a lot of people complain about you know, things like uh, Gone Home or Anna and what have you just being walking simulators or it's not a game. Abyssrium and I'm guessing the rest of the games in that sort of style are not games. <laughs> um, <laughs> Abyssrium is a terrible example of a supposed game not giving you or just having complete contempt for your time um <laughs> the it includes of course dlc well not dlc sorry microtransactions oh, um, yeah of course which you know go from maybe a pound or two all the way up to sort of 60 pounds um what? for <laughs> yeah exactly for, for basically gem packs which basically speed up the game um, oh Jesus! So as I say, the premise is that you um, sort of over a period of time, or by tapping, you build up vitality. Using that vitality, you can either level up your little volcano, or you can start adding things like coral or fish um, to your sort of little area of ocean. 
Now, the thing that caught me about the game itself is the fact that the art style actually looks quite nice and was very reminiscent of something like Monument Valley and um, a lot of other sort of games of the, um, that sort of style. Mm. Um, sort of, you know, pastel colours and things, and uh, it looks very, very nice. But it's it's not a game. <laughs> it just annoys me. It's not a game. <laughs> Whenever you go into the achievement list, you get achievements for watching videos of ads. That is not. A, that is not a game. You know that. That's what I mean. It is the worst example. And even sort of building up the vitality to get a fish, you go right. I've got that amount to get that fish, and there might be a range of fish in around the same you know cost as such. But as soon as you buy one fish, the cost of the other fish then maybe doubles. And so you know you're always trying to push to get to that next level, and oh, just. <laughs> woeful and infuriating and unfortunately on mobile and smartphones and things games like this are far too abundant and uh, I'm sure an awful lot of people do get sucked in by them Um, Oh, one of the other very annoying things is that to earn vitality what you can do is you can take pictures of your fish um, that you've created as such Whenever you take a picture, it automatically gives you an option of sharing it and sharing it up onto Twitter or Instagram. If you do that, you get extra vitality. Um, so basically, you could be spamming your Twitter feed mm. and any of the followers um, just get spammed with the pictures and the hashtag of um, Abyssrium and then are sort of looking at that as well and then sort of finding out about the game. Um, so basically, yeah, it's... Woeful. You're advertising for them, basically. Too. Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And like just pissing, selling. Just, yeah, yeah, just pissing yeah. people yeah. off, basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it is just the worst example. And I was just on the Google Play Store there um, just before we came onto the recording, and it is actually now one of the featured games um, oh, up, on the, up on the front page, uh, which is just terrible. And the really annoying thing is whenever you actually go into the reviews of it, there are so many people giving it four and five star reviews saying they absolutely love it and they absolutely love spending time with it, etc. And even whenever... I know, it's just mind-boggling. Even whenever I tried to find a bad review um, of it just sort of through, uh, you know, a lot of gaming podcasts or um, websites and things like that, everybody seemed to be sort of giving it either middling to good reviews. And that's worrying about the state of reviewing of games these days is there an option to kind of buy the game so you don't end up having to watch the adverts and spam things and it because some games do give you the option to to just basically unlock the game is that completely gone that is completely gone i could not see that in the game itself um there was there was only the option to um either buy gems or buy maybe a f- special edition fish pack or something oh like that God. that would maybe give you access to um other certain fish etc and you just some games are free to play and mm. you get a certain amu- the certain amount of the game and they don't charge you or anything like that you might get the odd ad but you have enough fun playing the game that you go actually i'm going to give this developer a couple of pounds because this is an yeah. enjoyable yeah, yeah. experience and just to pay that extra little bit to get rid of the ads, but I'll keep continuing playing the game. Um, you know, something like that is brilliant. And there are a number of those games on um, 
the mobile um, stores and things That's like that. That's the old shareware model that I grew up with on the Amiga, where you'd yeah. end up with a basically a glorified demo of the game, and and you would pay a little bit more, and you would unlock the the full version of it. And that that's very much what what the mobile world has kind of taken on. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and the the whole idea of no, you don't have an option to buy it. You can just you can just be nickeled and dimed. It it goes more towards the idea of the coin op rather than the the shareware model the idea of yeah just keep pumping quarters in just keep pumping pumping your 10p's in <laughs> yeah we just want your money. that's basically what it is and you know for something like abyssrium um the fact that you're just sitting tapping on your screen and i'd noticed that certainly the battery on my phone uh whenever i was doing this was decreasing rapidly um so it was you know it was very noticeable um maybe not quite as bad as playing pokemon go but you're out and about you're using your dps <laughs> and you're using your data signal um and what have you with that um but with this you're not and i just don't see the fun in it you know particularly whenever they keep um upping the stretch goals as such you know for your costs and things like that um I just don't understand that. Basically, Stu, you're, you're the little boy that stood there going, but the Emperor, he's naked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I'm saying about the microtransactions and buying a pack of gems for, you know, 70-odd pound or whatever, and yet there are games, you know, like the uh, Square Enix Go series on oh. uh, the mobile series. Amazing. You know, there's... De- there's Deus Ex Go, there's Hitman Go, and there's Lara Croft Go. Each of those is four pounds mm. um, on the mobile um, platforms, and they are so much more worth your time and your money um, than a lot of the free-to-play games. And a lot of people would maybe look at the four-pound mark and go, that looks a little bit pricey for what is basically just a smartphone game. But in reality, they will probably get an awful lot more fun and an awful lot more yeah. playtime and a actual level of satisfaction from those games. <laughs> yeah, and an actual just game. Not, yeah, that you're just not going to get um, from something like this. Mm. So that is my little rant. <laughs> <laughs> this is very unusual for you. <laughs> I know usually I'm very, very positive about the games that I play. Um, but uh, no, in this case, I, I just wanted to vent. <laughs> so <laughs> Our lunch hour game of the week this week is... Actually, I'm going to mention two games this week. Um, Both of them are on the iOS App Store. The first one is called Noodles, and it is a little pipe management game. Um, It's currently free on the iOS App Store, and as far as I could tell, didn't have any in-app purchases or anything that I could see. And there seems to be a whole variety of uh, levels within this. It's a very simple, um, you're given a grid and you tap on the pieces of pipe to turn them and basically do a complete uh, network um, of the pipe so that the sort of fluid or liquid or whatever is going through all of the little modules. Um, the squares themselves look to have um, sort of, there was a 5x5, five 6x6, by 7x7, five, six by six, by etc. and kept going up. I've now I'm nearly over halfway through. There's a hundred levels in each of those little grid options, and um, I'm about halfway through the five by five levels at the minute. And I had a very quick look at the um, eight by eight, and it actually instead of going sort of in from a uh, square style pattern of moving the um, pipe pieces around, it actually moves to a hexagon um, piece. Uh, so you're actually having then more options of where the actual connectors and what have you are going. Um, it 
just a lovely little game this while away maybe five ten minutes each of the levels um it gives you a time count and a move count um whenever you finish the level so each level can be done in maybe 30 odd seconds or whatever and in around uh, sort of 30 to 40 moves and uh, it'll give you like a five diamond um rating on each of those so you can go back and play them but there doesn't seem to be if you just you can go back and play them if you want to get all five diamonds but there doesn't seem to be any um uh, oh what's the word a uh, there doesn't Reason? seem to be <laughs> well <laughs> yes there doesn't seem to be any incentive yeah incentive um to go back and get all four of them it just automatically moves you on to the next level and um, that i can see so certainly a lovely little game to while away some time download the other game can i ask is it is it pipe mania yeah, that's what. That's what like yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Pipe Mania. Um, basically, yes, you're just turning the little blocks um, to get a sort of a full flow, um, um, changing the color of them um, so that there's a full flow sort of going through the whole system. And uh, I, I can't play those types of games without getting flashback of playing millions of them <laughs> in Bioshock <laughs> when hacking machines. I, I still get the shakes whenever I see that kind of pattern come up on screen. The other game I want to talk about is called Hocus. It is currently 79p on the iOS App Store. And it is basically Escher drawings of cubes and different shapes. Ooh. And you move a little cube around the sides of this and uh, using these sort of different perspectives you have to get up the little cube from the starting point to the um, little end point um, of each of the shapes because it's Escher um, it obviously has that sort of very warped um, perspective um, I want to say it's very similar to Echochrome um, Echoplex yeah Echochrome Echochrome yes. Echo yeah. um, it has that sort of thing you're not necessarily twisting the shapes all you're doing is moving the blocks mm. but you're looking for those extra little paths um, that would develop because if you disappear behind something then you'll have access to an extra path which will maybe get you onto a, uh, a different side um, of each of the shapes to then move into the, the end of it again 79p there was 60 odd levels and um, 60 odd levels plus actually because they're um, adding more levels and even some user created levels um, onto the end of it and again a lovely little game that is completely worth your time and your money VR momentum has slowed down dramatically on Steam. According to a study that has been spotted by VentureBeat, um, the, it shows the number of Steam users that have acquired an HTV, HTC Vive, or Vive, depending on who you listen to, um, only grew about 0.3% in July and was flat in August. Similarly, growth from Oculus Rift's Steam user base has only reached about 0.3% in July and 0.1% in August. These are significant in the fact that these are the first months where the um, headsets have actually been commercially available and it seems that not an awful lot of people are diving into them. I would say that's partly because of the um, actual cost of them. I think the um, mm. which one? It's the Vive is about eight hundred odd pounds and the Oculus Rift is in around five hundred. <laughs> um, just that just they just seem like ludicrous um, price points. Um, so they, it's also the fact that the PCs that you would need would need to be fairly beefy. Um, 
I think I'd read reports of in around sort of two gig of RAM for the graphics card, and it needs to be sort of a fairly recent one um, with additional ports and what have you on it. Mm. And usually your PC needs to have at least two USB three um, connections on it, if not four, yeah. possibly for the uh, the Vive. For the Vive, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think it needs it for the external sensors, doesn't it? Yeah. So un- unless you're actually buying additional PCI cards and what have you for the extra USB ports, there's an awful lot of people. At it's just way out of their league um, to actually either purchase this or even have the kit and the hardware they actually run on it. What you'll see is um, it ends up being bought a lot more by um, companies to develop ideas. So mm. it'll, it'll end mm-hmm. up filtering into potentially teaching software for for um, doctors and things like that and for um, 3D rendering models of, of engineering parts and things so they can be explored and exploded and tested and things like that i think you'll see that's where you end up with a growth i think the commercial market for for gamers is not as big as as they seem to think it's going to be that's where the uh, connect started to disappear to playstation i did the same as well yeah yeah it went off and and ended up being used for all sorts of stuff because of the the technology that was used within it because it worked with a pc you could use it to create all sorts of weird and wonderful Mm -hmm. um concepts that weren't necessarily thought of by by microsoft or by sony originally yeah it mentions just at the bottom of the article that um sony's playstation vr launches next month um, and Google are still hoping to launch their Daydream, um, which appears to be a VR headset potentially for um, PC or other ones. Of course, Google already have their Google Cardboard for their mobile um, phones and yeah. things like that. And you've um, got Samsung with their um, yeah, their Gear their VR. Well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And certainly, um, looking at a lot of the uh, Lightning deals and things on at places like Amazon and what have you, VR for mobile devices. Um, there seems to be an awful lot more headsets and things and even little gaming pads and what have you and they do come down in price quite significantly certainly cardboard is in around what maybe 10 pounds um, that's just basically a very simple cardboard setup um, with the lenses and things mm. um, for some of the more um, rigid plastic ones on Amazon lightning deals and what have you you're in around maybe 15 to 30 pounds and uh, you might be able to add a little bit more onto that um, for an actual uh, little uh, controller as well um, I'm not sure that there is um, the market at the minute for VR, even um, sort of for mobile devices and things like that. There might be a little bit more of an uptake purely because the price point is an awful lot lower. Mm. Um, but certainly, um, I think I've seen in even in CEX and what have you, the headsets seem to come up regularly enough in the windows yeah. Yeah. Um, of people trying it and just not getting on with it or just not necessarily seeing yeah just not necessarily (laughs) seeing the potential of it or the games out there that actually use it um do you Um, think it's possibly because of what time of year it's come out as well because they've launched it at completely the wrong time um obviously gaming and the office yeah the gaming industry practically takes a holiday in july and august (laughs) there's nothing you know because they know that everybody's going to be buggering off it's holiday season the one thing going for it is the fact that um a lot of the companies and what have you will probably be pushing this at a lot of the conventions and expos and things that do Mm -hmm. happen over the summer months so it may be that they are hoping to get an awful lot more sales possibly leading into christmas i think um with people people maybe having the money or potentially putting this on, you know, Santa lists and things like that. I think mm. the issue is people have to try it. It's so hard to sell. Yeah. 
you did how do you sell a virtual world to someone that they are fully immersed in without putting them in that world so unless you're you're doing like i think pc world were doing like proper tests where you could go in and you could could try it i think it's 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 not like you can just sit and watch videos of it on YouTube because you don't get the experience. <laughs> no. uh, it's it's a very mm. very tough sell. Oh, I don't know. Um, going back to the seventies, ITT advertised their TVs by showing you a Native American chief on your TV and going, "Look at that! Doesn't that look better than your telly?" And everybody was sat there going. Oh yeah, that's much better than my telly that I'm watching that through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's true. But that's it's the 4K stuff at the moment where they're going, look at these 4K trailers, <laughs> they look amazing. I'm watching it on YouTube at 720 <laughs> yeah. at burst. So, yeah, I'm sure it does look amazing. I think one of one of my issues with with the whole VR thing is the technology at the moment is still tethered. You still have big long trailing cables, and if you're immersed into a world, nothing says I'm not immersed anymore than stepping too far mm. over and disconnecting everything and just be staring into blackness. <laughs> <laughs> Other story um, that came up recently was the fact that Nintendo actually held a direct um, presentation on the 1st of September. It was mostly focused on 3DS, but there was an awful lot of stuff that came out of it. What I'm going to do is I'm just very quickly run down the headlines that came out of that. On 3DS, there is a new Pikmin game coming out. They are porting Super Mario Maker and also Yoshi's Woolly World. Um, over to that as well. Uh, there's also a new amiibo to go with Yoshi's Woolly World, which is a little yarn poochie. The, uh, there was a little bit revealed for Pokemon Sun and Moon, including Alolan, uh, Rattata and Special Z moves. Mario Sports Superstars is arriving on the 3DS in Spring 2017, uh, which has a range of different sports. Um, including baseball, which I think surprised quite a few people. Oh, Pikmin. God, not again. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got that to play. Yeah. Um, Picross 3D Round 2 is out today, or was out uh, on the 1st in North America, and will hit Europe on the 2nd of December. Uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf is getting a large update. There are new Amiibo cards, and there will be a Mini Direct on the way, um, with the Mini Direct confirmed for the 2nd of November in Japan. There are new Street Pass updates which adds minigames and premium options for holding 100 hits. There is a demo of Yokai Watch 2 um, which arrives in North America soon. Um, there are more features and modes for Mario Party Star Rush. Tank Troopers is reporting for duty on the 3DS this winter sometime. Rhythm Paradise Mega Mix demo is available in uh, for on the European um, 3DS store now, and Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse and Seventh Dragon 3 Code VFD are confirmed for Euro Winter 2016 releases. That's a hell of a list. That's uh, <laughs> given given Nintendo's directs have tended to be a bit sparse. This seems like a major yeah. dump of of games that are kind of coming out they, they had seemed to have been quite quiet this this seems like mm. a big reveal of of games it's also a massive push for the 3ds potentially in the lead up to it being replaced by whatever the nx turns out to be yeah, yeah. um so it'll be interesting to see whether or not this is the last hurrah for the 3ds or will whether or not there will be more support for that and game support for that going forward possibly march 
Yeah, I would say like um, PlayStation did with the Vita, but <laughs> their last overall was the launch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sony seem to be saying less about the Vita than they are the PlayStation <laughs> Slim at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot more worrying. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's, yeah, that perfectly sums it up. <laughs> yes, we, we are vaguely aware that we might be releasing a new console. No, with no idea what a handheld console is. No idea. <laughs> there was a little bit of good news for any Wii U owners um, from the Nintendo Direct as well. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword is out now on the Wii U eShop, as is New Play Control Pikmin, and uh, it's on the Wii U shop as well. Uh, these are both the Wii ports, um, but it's nice to see that they are at least being carried forward and can now be experienced by people without having to go into the emulator within um, the actual <laughs> yeah. Wii U itself. And uh, <laughs> potentially, I'm guessing, then would also allow for off-screen play on the Wii U gamepad. Um, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword probably work, does work better with the motion control, so it'll be interesting to see how that actually plays on the Wii U gamepad. Pikmin is Pikmin. Pikmin's lovely, and uh, yeah. everybody should go out and buy it anyway, because it's, it's just <laughs> such a great Wii game. The other news that covers both the Wii U and the 3DS is the fact that Hyrule Warriors and Hyrule Warriors Legends now has Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks DLC, which are currently available. Also on the Amiibo side of news is there are a new set of Legend of Zelda Amiibo confirmed for December release. This includes an original sort of 8-bit NES um, recreation of Zelda, as well as a Zelda and uh, Link pack-in. And uh, I think there's one or two other little ones as well. Mm. Overall, yeah, that's a massive um, deal for 3DS owners and a nice little bonus for Wii U owners who before the Direct um, actually played a lot of um, it was focused on the 3DS and Wii U owners weren't expecting to get anything so it's nice to see that um, both Legends of Zelda and Skyward Sword and Pikmin are now available on the Wii U eShop it's a small consolation for a console that is loved by the people who have it um, but is very very much on life support in the commercial sector. The thing about the Mario, we were all quite excited about that, the Mario Maker coming to the 3DS uh, thought that was going to be incredible and then found out that there was no online support. There was no online side to it at all. <laughs> yeah, it looks to be just going down the either street pass or sort of local sharing um, with yeah. other 3DS owners, which is a real shame um, because if there was any way of being able to sort of port the levels and things that people have created from Mario Maker on the Wii U mm. over onto the 3DS, that would be a huge selling yeah. point. It's and integral uh, to the game. <laughs> yeah, a great way of um, just having you know downloadable content for that. Yeah. And uh, I would imagine there'd be so many levels currently available um, if there was the capacity for being able to download ones that have previously been made for the Wii U. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether or not they implement something slightly different or whether there's a way of downloading them from the Wii U, possibly onto the 3DS, we will have to wait and see. It seems like a really big missed opportunity there. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. But it, it does levels- sound very Nintendo. It does feel like, <laughs> why have you not done this? They've got a history what, of this. In what meeting did someone not just suggest, you know what would be a good idea? We've already got <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of levels people have created. Probably thousands. <laughs> you know what we could do is let people download those. 
<laughs> let them. They're, they, they're there. They, Give some examples of what they can make and let them play for a lot longer. It's just they bizarre. take up kilobytes. They are yeah. tiny, tiny files. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's so bizarre. <laughs> We had received a very nice email um, from Yenje, who has recently picked up the show after hearing from me um, on my cameo <laughs> on the Year of Steam um, show. He has already binged on the archive of uh, LGR episodes. <laughs> and, that's uh, a lot of listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good going. Especially we were counting up earlier, we are on what, nearly 35 episodes so far <laughs> this year. Uh, plus the four that were released last year that's uh, not bad going and uh, he thanked us very nicely and uh, for the games that we game codes that we sent him more game codes are available if anybody wants them um, check out the link that will be included in the pod bin notes or um, up on lapsgamer.com um, but yes he was very complimentary um, about the podcast and uh, I think we have definitely secured a, uh, a valued listener within that the other shout out we want to give to is to Kayla Perkins from Texas. This is going to sound really random, but our very own Andy <laughs> Pitty um, is currently on vacation in Texas and by some remarkable fluke actually ran into a listener in a bar in Texas. <laughs> we actually <laughs> Are you sure she's not a stalker? Well, she she (laughs) could be, but that's a hell of a way to go to stalk somebody to accidentally run into them in a bar in Texas. Uh, We have photographic evidence that this person is actually real and not just somebody that Andy's made up. (laughs) I've still to meet somebody from my own town that's ever heard of Laps Gamer. (laughs) And yet he goes to the other side of the world and meets somebody in a bar in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Typical. Just bloody typical, Andy. Yeah. (laughs) Quick reminders, our next playlist game is Resident Evil 4. Um, We will be playing this and we will be recording the episode sometime in October. We are also recording a Ballyhoo episode in October based on the Silent Hill films, (laughs) which are Silent Hill and Silent Hill Revelations. God help us all. As always with our Ballyhoo episodes and our playlist episodes, we would appreciate any feedback um, that you may have on either the films or Resident Evil for the game. Send all communications to our uh, lapsgamerradio at gmail.com email address. Contact us on the lapsgamer.com website or hit us up on the Twitter feed which is at lapsgamer. Um, if you really want to, you can also get in contact with us via the Laps Gamer Radio Facebook page and add yourself to the Laps Gamer Radio Community Facebook group as well. I think that about covers it. And uh, as always, look, you can send us questions, suggestions, feedback about the show itself. Um, it's always nice to hear feedback. And uh, ideally, complimentary is uh, preferable, but we also like to take any criticism. <laughs> sort of ways of improving the show. Uh, so you can find all our podcast episodes to stream or mp3 download at our Podbean web address which is at http colon forward slash forward slash lapsgamerradio.podbean.com 
Also, please be so kind as to subscribe and review Laps Gamer Radio on iTunes. Check out Laps Gamer on our YouTube channel for additional content. Um, we usually have bits and pieces up. Mark keeps adding little bits and pieces every so often. And Adam usually puts up any of his Twitch streams onto the YouTube channel as well. And they're always worth watching. Um, Adam has started covering the games with gold and uh, sort of going through um, some other games and what have you that he's playing recently. Uh, so remember, do let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us, and thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye. After the go. That'll do.